Hey, good morning. For those of you who had a traffic jam getting in here, I'm sorry. We're, we're continuing to work on that, but we're just so glad you're here at New Spring for the third of our three weekend services. And right now, I'm in a series called Running, uh, as if you, I'm sure you probably can figure that out from the sign outside coming into the parking lot in your worship folder and the big word up here on stage to help me remember exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Um, we're, we're looking at an Old Testament book, and it's called Jonah. And if you have, some of you may have Bibles, um, pew Bibles in the back of the pew, and in case you do, if you want to follow along with me, you can pull that out, and we're on about page 701, I think, in the Old Testament. And um, we're following the life of Jonah, and and this morning, I really want to target my talk to those of you who at some point in your life decided to follow Jesus. I understand that you you could be here today and you say, well, Mark, I really just haven't made my choice of what I believe or who I follow, and I'm glad you're here today, and, and I'll have something to say at the end that I think will be important to you, but for the first part of my talk today, I really want to focus on those of us who decided at some point we would accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and follow Him, because the book of Jonah has a lot to say to us. We've already looked at chapter 1 two weeks ago, and in that chapter, Jonah is running from God. Jonah is the Old Testament equivalent of a pastor. God has given him the responsibility of giving God's word to people. Jonah is not a confrontational dude. He, he likes getting along with everybody. He doesn't like, you know, having any conflict with anyone. And, and whenever he talks for God, he wants to say things that aren't controversial. In the early part of his career, that was fine because God had some very pleasant messages for Jonah to deliver. Israel had lost some property to some um, invading powers, and God told Jonah Israel is going to get it back, and they did get it back, and that made Jonah very popular, and everybody said, we love to go hear Jonah because he tells us things that we want to hear, which really fit with Jonah's personality. His name means dove. He is a, he's a peaceful kind of guy. Don't upset the apple cart. Don't rock the boat. Just let me get along with everybody and let me be cool. And, and how many of us, I mean, I'm going to stick my hands up first. How many of us would like to live that kind of life where you just don't have any conflict at all? I think that's the kind of guy Jonah was. Uh, the only thing is one day God came to him and said, hey, Jonah, I have a new assignment for you. I want you to go to this place called Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that I'm really upset with the way they're living their lives, and we'll destroy them in 40 days. Well, that's not a real popular message to take anywhere, is it? You know, God is unhappy, you're in trouble, you know, you're about to be nuked. And, and so if I'm Jonah, I, I, I wouldn't take that, want to take that anywhere, but it was the town that got Jonah's attention, Nineveh. Nineveh was the second largest city in the world at that time, over in Iraq, not too far from Mosul. And in this particular city, the people were known for being extraordinarily mean. They had invented all these new ways to torture people. And especially anybody who came into Nineveh and said anything that wasn't politically correct. There was a big pile of bones at the entrance to the city, skulls and bones, that were just remains of those who had come into Nineveh and said things that were unpopular. And Jonah had no desire to make contribution to that charity, so he just said, I don't think I want to do that. Now, God had said, the creator of the universe, the one who rules heaven and earth, had said, Jonah, you're my boy. I called you to be my, my communicator. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't think I want to do that. So in chapter 1, we see him running away from God. He went down to the place where people bought tickets to travel by boat. He got a ticket to Spain, which was the furthest destination, 2,500 miles away, the furthest he could get away from God's will. And he ran from God. Things were fine for a few hours. Jonah went down to the boat, went to sleep. He was rocking gently. The breezes were blowing. You know, kind of hear that old commercial, come to the islands. That's how Jonah was 
down there in the bottom of the boat, and he's saying, this is cool. I'm running away from God, and there's no problem with running from God. I'm doing it. It's cool. Everything is working out. As I've been telling you through the weeks, nobody flips God off and wins. And so God, the Bible says in chapter 1, hurled a wind to the Mediterranean, started a storm that was so vehement that the sailors, these were guys that made their living sailing, they were so freaked out by this storm that they were all calling on their gods and doing all their religious stuff, trying to figure out who, which sailor had messed up which God and why they were in trouble. And, and for some reason, they couldn't figure it out. They figured it was a dude that was asleep down in the bottom of the boat that nobody knew. And they went down and asked him and said, what's up? Is this, is this your fault? And Jonah said, yeah, it's my fault. I was God's communicator. I was a God follower. I was in a covenant relationship with God, and I ran from God, and now I'm in trouble. And they said, well, what do we do? And he said, just shoot me. Just kill me. Just throw me overboard, and everything will, will stop. And it happened. That's chapter 1, Jonah running from God. But what did we discover at the end of chapter 1? God loves his children too much to let them go. And so God did the most extraordinary thing. He prepared a fish, a whale, I don't know, some kind of sea creature came and just gobbled Jonah up and held Jonah in its digestive system for a while. And here is Jonah. And by the way, you say, well, Mark, is that a true story? Jesus said, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, that's, I'm going to be in the ground three days. That's pretty serious. And so Jonah in chapter 2 now is getting a clue because he has run from God and he's saying what I'd really like is I'd like to run back to God. I want to be back where I was. I want to be back in a relationship. And what we saw last week was what Jonah really missed was he missed worship. And I, I saw the traffic jam you guys were in trying to get in. Our 930 service was leaving, and, and you know, I see the traffic out there. And I see what, how, how, how serious you are about being in a worship service. And I think you've discovered what Jonah knew, and that is, wow, I love to be in worship. It's wonderful when I'm close to God. The only problem was Jonah was in a big fish. But God had him there for a reason, so Jonah could learn. And so he ran back to God in chapter 2. And, and we're coming now to chapter 3, and, and this is such an important message. It's the one that I couldn't wait to deliver. In fact, for those of you who are God followers, it might just be the most important message I bring in 2008. Because now Jonah has an opportunity, after having run from God and running to God, he has a chance to run with God. What I mean by that is Jonah now has an opportunity to get synced up with God. At first, God was saying, Jonah, do this job. And Jonah's saying, no, I'm getting away from you. And then he's saying, yeah, I want to get back to you. But it's really wonderful when you can get with God. I'll just tell you something today, and I believe this with all my heart. I believe if you're a God follower, God has something very special for you to do for the kingdom. And many of us, we never get there. Why? Because I think what happens is it's kind of a bounce going on in our lives. I mean, most of us, if our story was written, it wouldn't be chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. It would just be chapters 1 and 2. I run from God. I run to God. I run after I get to God. I run back from God again. And, and I'm just wearing out First John 1, 9. You know, God, I'm sorry I did it again, but I'm running from you, but now I'm running back to you again. And that's how we live our lives. And we never get to that place where we're running with God. I've got Lance's driver up here. This is a great club. I've hit it a few times. I love this club. I didn't bring mine today. Mine is a king cobra. Moses took up the serpent, but that's as close as I get. Um, all you who love golf, isn't it amazing how big the heads are getting on these drivers? 
You know, titanium and graphite and all these lightweight strong materials have allowed us to, 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 take, to build these clubs where the heads are so much larger. Why is it that we want these large golf club, these, these large heads? It's because in the middle of this club, there is what we call a what? A sweet spot, yeah. Now, if you hit the, if you hit the club, you know, if you, if you hit the ball on the sweet spot, it is amazing what happens. I mean, it feels effortless. It sounds good. And the ball goes where it's supposed to go. Many of us, though, playing golf, we struggle with getting the ball in the sweet spot because we have a tendency to hit it off the toe or the heel. And bad things happen, right? How many of you, how many of you, you bought a $400 golf club, you know, and you're saying to yourself, now I'm going to be great. I'm just going to go out there and I got this whiz bang driver and I'm just going to go out and kill today. And then you know what it's like. Some of you guys, some of you men out there, you know, you hit it off the toe and it doesn't even go to the women's tees. See, here's what I think. I think there are a lot of us that we're God followers, and God has given us great equipment, and he's given each one of us a job to do to change the world. But you know what we do? We're like hitting the ball off the heel and off the toe. We never get it into the sweet spot. I want to ask you a question today. Are you living life as a God follower in the sweet spot? Are you hitting it off the toe or the heel? I mean, first of all, let me ask you a question. Do you even know what it is that God put you here to do? You say, well, yeah, Mark, I'm a... I'm a plumber. I'm a doctor. I'm, you know, I'm an engineer. I, I run a business. That's what God put me on a planet. No, that's not what God puts you on a planet to do. If you're a God follower, that's just a means to an end. You say, well, man, Mark, my, my job is to just get enough money coming in to pay the, pay the mortgage and, 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 and to just pay my bills, and, and, and that's what I'm living for. And, you know, really, that's not living. That's like a hamster on a treadmill. I'd be okay if you didn't know God. But if you know God, that's not enough. God has made every one of us. Here's the thing. This is the, if you were to ask me, what is the one message you would like to get across to Christ followers? If everything came down to one message, if somebody said, Mark, what is it you would like to get across to people who have followed Christ? I can tell you what that one simple message is. And that is that this life is disposable. I was driving with Stephen on my way here to early worship service, and he had to be here for a rehearsal. We were just talking about this, and I said, look, look around, son. God, is just, God has just shown us in nature how that everything in life has a, it's disposable. And those beautiful green leaves that we look forward to in the spring, and they, they, you know, they're filled with chloroform, so we don't, chlorophyll, so we don't, see their, we don't see their real colors. And then toward the end, we see their real colors. They fall off the trees, and what happens? They come back again. God is just revealing to us over and over and over again, this life is not what it's about. It's disposable. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says, we, listen, this is so big. 2 Corinthians 5 says, we were not designed for this life. We were designed for the life to come. Some of us are wondering, why, if I'm a God follower, why is my life so messed up? Why is it so difficult? We weren't designed for this life. It is God, in fact, the Bible says this. Here's the language. God built us for the life to come. This life is relatively short. At best, most of us, we're not going to live to be 100 we're going to live in eternity forever. For, you, know, you just think about those numbers that blow our minds when they, find, when they tell us how much in debt we are as Americans, you know? Trillions of dollars in debt. Just take those trillions and turn them into years. That's how long you're going to live. What's a hundred to a trillion years? This life is meant to be used to transform the world and to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And every single one of us, listen to me, please. Every single one of us, man, woman, teen, kid, 
elderly, no matter who you are, God has a purpose for you to change the world and to build the kingdom. And my question is, do you know what it is? What is it God has called you to do? Well, in the next few moments, with your permission, I'd like to just take you to, to Jonah chapter 3. It's such a short chapter. I want to read the whole thing to you so that we can really get a sense of what it's like to run with God. Jonah 3, verse 1. And then I'll make a few comments and we'll go home. <laughs> Sounds like you guys have heard me speak before, haven't you? All right. <laughs> then the Lord spoke to Jonah, verse 1, a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. That's the place he didn't want to go. And deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, and he went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Okay, you get some idea of how big Nineveh was. It took three days to go across it, which is somewhat like being on Kellogg here, okay? All right. <laughs> on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least. They declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. And the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? What a great line here. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now let's just think for a moment. That chapter starts with Jonah and it ends with the whole city being spared and turning to God. One person, one man, one woman synced up with God phenomenal. I don't think you and I have any idea what it would be like if we were fully living in the sweet spot. We don't realize the difference we would make if we were living in the sweet spot. Let me just pull two or three things out of the text here and call your attention to them. First of all, the Bible says God spoke to Jonah the second time. How many of us are happy that God gives second chances? Well, I'll tell you, I'm here today because God is a God of second chances. I mean, here was a guy who screwed up. God said to Jonah, here's the job. Jonah flamed out wound up in the middle of the ocean, and yet the Bible says God came to him a second time. I'm talking to some of you who are Christ followers, and a long time ago you checked out. You may still be coming to church, but you said, Mark, I can never fulfill God's will. God had something for me to do, and I bombed out. Hey, God's a God of second chances. Get back in the game. Number two, notice this, second thing. God came to them the second time, but he brought the first message. Now, you know how we are. You know, one of our kids like, doesn't behave real well, and they kind of mess something up, and we say, okay, well, let's negotiate this thing. I'll just do half of what I want you to do. That's how we American parents do it, right? Well, just maybe do half of it. So maybe we would think, think that's what God was doing. Came to Jonah and said, oh, hey, Jonah, the first time this thing didn't work so well, so you know the saying about going to Nineveh? Let's just back off that a little bit. Why don't we just go to the suburbs? Or why don't we just send you back to Israel? And if anybody from Nineveh comes by, you can say, hey, I got a message for you to take back to the king. No. When God came to Jonah the second time, he said the same thing. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and do what I ask you to do. That is the way God is. God is not open to negotiation when it comes to his will for your life and my life. Many years ago when I was in college, I read a story. There was a guy captaining, piloting a ship, a destroyer, and he saw the oncoming lights of a ship, and he realized they were on a collision course, and so he, he fired off a radio message and said, you know, alter your, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. 
And the message came back and said, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. Well, that ticked him off. And he said, I am captain. Alter your your course 10 degrees to the north. And the message came back, I'm seaman second degree, second class. Alter your course 10 degrees to the south. captain sent this message i am i am a destroyer alter your course 10 degrees to the north and the message came back alter your course 10 degrees to the south i am a lighthouse (laughs) see sometimes we want god to alter his course for us Jonah's saying, well, okay, God, I'm going to run back to you, but I'm still kind of freaked about that Nineveh deal. Can we just do something on that? God is saying, well, come talk to you one more time, give you another chance, but I want you to do exactly what it is that I ask you to do. And, and that's what's so important for me. Listen, here's one of the greatest messages I'll ever give to you. If you ever get away from God, just go right back to where you got on, got off. So, Mark, I used to be in church, but I got out. Then go back to church. Mark, I used to read my Bible, but I quit. Start reading your Bible again. Mark, I used to be kind to people, but I've gotten really anxious and unhappy and mean-spirited toward people. Then go back and start being kind to people. Where did you get off? Get back on where you got off. God is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He'll receive you back. Listen, if you've gotten away from him, just listen to what happened to Jonah. The word came to him the second time, first message. And then I love this. Look at the next next verse. The Bible says, this time Jonah obeyed. (laughs) We used to use an expression for that. It used to be called sadder but wiser. This time, I, I, I got ready for this message, and I kept seeing that. I thought, wow, how much of my life could be summed up? This time, Mark obeyed. First time he had a better idea, after he saw what happened, this time, Mark obeyed. And then great things happened. So let me just talk to all of us here today, and I want to ask the question I started out with. Are you and I, are we living in the sweet spot? Are we really exactly where God wants us to be? Are we experiencing life in the sweet spot, in the center of God's will, or are we hitting life off the toe or off the hill? Let me give you three reasons. And by the way, I'm going to just go into some lists here, which I don't usually like to do, but this stuff is just so big. I want to give you these thoughts, and then hopefully you can just take them home and and let God flesh them out for you. I want to give you three reasons why we usually don't live in the sweet spot. Here's the first one. First reason we don't live in the sweet spot. We've never experienced it. We know what it is to be saved. We know what it is to go to church, but to really be synced up with God's will. Here's here's the thing. And here's what I've discovered. The closer I've gotten to God's will in my life, I get so hungry for it, I can't stand to be an inch out of God's will. When you truly know what it's like to be fully synced up with God, fully understanding your purpose, fully doing what God designed you to do, it is such a powerful moment. You won't ever want to lose that. But the reason why many God followers don't live in the sweet spot, they've never been there. They've never been fully engaged in God's will. Second reason, notice that Jonah was afraid. You say, well, Mark, he was afraid of what the Ninevites were going to do to him. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. But I think there was something bigger than that. And hear me, please, because all of us, I think there are... Here's the thing. Many of us have never been in the center of God's will, but my guess is that just about all of us want to be there because you're feeling it right now, aren't you? Are you a God follower? My guess is you're feeling that just as I talk about it. You're saying, that's where I want to be. And and I don't think that we're so much afraid that somebody's going to do something bad to us if we're in God's will. I think we're afraid we wouldn't be good at it. wow, what happens? This is what happened to Jonah. Jonah looked at himself over here, and he's thinking, I'm a dove. I don't like conflict. I don't think I'd be very good at that. Going to Nineveh and just doing the street preaching and telling them that God's unhappy with them, I don't think that's what I would be good at. But was he good at it? He blew them away. 
Actually, I think that, see, don't you see how God used it? God wanted a dove. He wanted somebody who would have a hard time preaching a message of judgment, who would go in there with a kind-hearted, sweet spirit. God wanted that kind of guy going into a place and telling them what they were doing wrong. But Jonah was afraid he wouldn't be good. See, I think that's what stops many of us from being in God's will. We want to do God's work. We want to transform the world. We want to be an impact for the kingdom. We think, wow, man, I just don't know if I'd be very good at that. I don't want to make this personal this morning, but the last place I can ever imagine myself being is on stage. First time I ever did anything in church, I was six years old. My dad asked me to sing a song, and this is all I remember is that I had my back to the audience leaning up against the piano. Can you imagine that? I just had my back to the audience. I'm a real shy person. Standing up here doing this? Are you kidding me? I mean, that's what I asked God when he called me to preach. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, if I ever think about the fact that all you people are out there looking at me and all the eyes around me and television cameras and everybody's, I mean, I would just freak out. I'd be like a deer in the headlights. And so when God called me, I was like, God, I won't be very good at that. But you know what? Here's the deal. Every weekend, I'm blown away by what God does through me that I don't even understand. That's the third thing that I want to remind all of us here today. This is the third reason why many of us are not in the sweet spot. We don't understand what God wants us to do, so we tell him no. See, Jonah said, here's, who what, I, here's what I am. I, I, I see myself, here's the problem. I see myself going to Nineveh and embarrassing myself and making a fool of myself. That's how I see, I know who I am. I see the job God wants me to do. I just don't see this working out very well. What Jonah did not see was that God through him was mammoth. And that's how it is for all of us. Okay, turn the page. Here's the second thing I want to talk to you about. How do I get in the sweet spot? If you're a God follower and you want to be in God's perfect will, let me give you four things that will get you in the sweet spot. Number one, here's, this is going to sound real simple, but here's where it all starts. Be available. Be available. Someone has said the greatest ability is availability. Just to say, God, here I am. I don't know where you're going to take me eventually, but I, I, I'm available. I mean, here's the thing. If you're a New Springer, just get synced up with what God is doing at New Spring. It takes us about three or 400 volunteers every weekend to pull off New Spring. And you guys are awesome. You say, well, I don't know where God wants me to be. Then just start doing something. Just be available and say, God, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to volunteer. I'm ready to be in first impressions. I'm ready to be in kids' world. I'm ready to be in tech. I'm just, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. Availability. Here is a huge one. If you want to be in the sweet spot, you must, number two, be convinced that God is the determining factor. Again, take Jonah back over here. God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah's thinking, I see myself getting killed. If I go there, they're going to kill me. And I honestly think that many of us, we shrink back from doing what God wants us to do, giving what God, giving what God wants us to give, being what God wants us to be, because we look at it and we say, I don't think this is going to end well. But guys, let me tell you, Whenever you're in God's will, God is a determining factor. Here's the question. Why did these people turn to God? Why did they turn around? Why did they come out and listen to Jonah's message? Why did the king come out and put burlap on and ask them to put burlap on the animals, which is the creepiest thing I've ever read in the Bible, I think. But, you know, why did the king do that? What turned him around? Was it Jonah? Well, God used him, but it was the power of God. See, this is the great thing. You know, listen, when I, when I hit the ball in the sweet spot, what happens? Every designer who has worked on this club, every person who worked in manufacturing, all their work comes together when I connect with the ball in the sweet spot. And that's what it's like when, as a child of God, you get in God's perfect will. 
You have God's power. Third thing, number three. If you want to be in the sweet spot, agree with God. It's not about you. It's not about me. And the fourth thing, be convinced. Here's the the great thing about being in God's will. There is a sense that I was made to do this job. Listen, God does not make jobs for people. That's busy work. God does not make jobs for people. He makes people for tasks. He makes people for tasks that he wants to accomplish. Listen, you read this book with me. You read Jonah. You'll walk away convinced that Jonah was the ideal guy to do this job. God made Jonah to do this task. I believe God made me. You know, I'm not your normal pastor. I'm probably a little quirky. I'm convinced that God made me to pastor in Kansas. I can't believe that. When I was a kid growing up, I thought I'd never leave Texas. But, you know, I honestly believe God made me do this job. And I believe God made you to do the task that he wants accomplished in the world. And so here's the thing. If you want to be in the sweet spot, you have to be convinced God made me to do this task. Well, let me scroll through this final page here because you say, well, Mark, what will happen to me or what will I feel if I'm in God's will? I'm going to give you about five or six things. Here's the first thing, invincible, invincible. When you're in God's will, here's what you can say. Nobody can touch me as long as I'm doing what God called me to do. In the, in the book of Isaiah, excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 54, verse 17, the Bible says this, no weapon that is formed against you can prosper. This is the heritage of God's family. And as long as you're doing God's will, nothing can touch you until God is ready for you to come home. Second thing, and surely Jonah experienced this, if you get synced up with God, you're going to say, this is easier than I ever dreamed. Easier than I ever dreamed. Number three, it's simpler. When I'm trying to figure it out on my own, I have all this conflictedness going on, but when I'm fully synced up with God, I can say, hey, life is real simple. I'm just obeying. If you have trouble with me, take it up with my boss. I put this one in here. You're never bored. You know what's killing our kids today? Our kids are just bored out of their brains. They got so much stuff. They got, you know, media. They got all kinds of electronic communications. They have games and all this. I mean, we're so affluent. But you know what we're doing? We're boring our kids to death. My parents grew up in the Great Depression. They were never bored. They worked from sunup to sundown. But today, many of us are bored because we're just like a wash in stuff. And what that does is it causes us to, I mean, we have this, we have this conflict going on because on one hand, we have everything that we can imagine pretty much. And on the other hand, we don't know what our purpose is. It's like, I've got all these resources, but what am I on the planet to do? I'll just tell you what I've discovered about being in the center of God's perfect will. I'm never bored. I just get out of my wits sometimes, but never bored. Okay, the euphoria of being in God's will. I realize that synced with God, synced up with God, I actually, I actually make a difference. What do you want out of this world? If you're like the average American, you want stuff, you want money. Mark, I want to make a million by the time I'm 30. I mean, and, and that's the thing, you know, many of us, we say, well, hey, my purpose in life, I know what my purpose is. I have this big job, and I, and I make lots of money, and I used to have a lot of money in the stock market. I, I, this is what I do with my life. You know what I want out of life? I want to make a difference. I don't think I'll ever make a million dollars, and surely won't make a huge fortune. 
but maybe I can make a difference. Even if I die a street person, I want to make a difference. This is a disposable life. I mean, it's passing. It's all about what we do with this life and how we leverage this life for the life to come. And when I am synced up with God, listen to me, when I am synced up with God, I make a difference. You say, Mark, how about me? I got a bad marriage. My kids don't listen to me. I just lost my job. My friends don't talk to me anymore. Let me tell you something. If you're synced up with God with all your problems, you will still make a difference on this planet while other people who are awash in stuff will die and go back to the dust and their spirit will go out to meet God and they will never have made a difference. When I'm synced up with God, I make a difference. Here's the biggest one of all, and I'll close with this. When I'm in the sweet spot, when I'm living my life the way God wants me to, and I'm in God's will, I honestly know I am helping fulfill God's plan in this world. See, God's doing big stuff. This world scares me to death, absent God. But in the midst of all the foolishness, and I just, man, I just read this morning when I got in the office and you know, got on the MSN's index page and I saw how the Christians in India are suffering for their faith. They're being burned out. They're being brutalized. They're being assaulted. Wow, when I look at the world, I think it's such a scary place. But when I'm synced up with God, I'm actually helping fulfill God's purpose in this world. So how about it? Are you hitting it off the toe, off the hill, or are you in the sweet spot? God designed you to follow Christ in his will, running with God in the sweet spot. Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us be here today. I want to I be what I preached about today. I need this myself. Lord, help every Christ follower here today who's not exactly synced up with you to at this very moment breathe up a prayer that says, God, I am available. I want to run with you. Please answer the prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Still praying. I said my talk today was for people who have signed up to follow Christ. At some point in their life, they received Jesus. But today I want to talk to some of you who've never invited Christ into your heart and life. It's like you've never gotten into the game. You've never really gotten into life with Christ. I can just tell you that the most important decision you can ever make is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because here's what God promises in that package. He promises to forgive you of your sins, adopt you into God's family, and give you heaven as a gift of eternal life. You don't do anything to deserve it, just a free gift. And here's the basis of that gift. Here's how it got paid for. The Bible says God loved the world, and you're part of the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. When Jesus hung on the cross for six six hours 2,000 years ago, The way God saw it, he paid for your sins and my sins. So what does God want us to do? Community service? Join a church? Be baptized? What God wants you to do is to accept his son Jesus, to receive him personally into your life. Mostly what God is looking for is just a yes. 
And if you've never prayed to receive Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'll pray it slowly so that you can think about each line. And, and if you mean this from your heart, you can pray it with me, and God will hear your prayer. You ready? Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I've tried life on my own terms. But today I turn away from my way. And Jesus, I turn to you. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you arose from the grave. Come into my life and be my Savior. Thank you for keeping your word to me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just one more thing. When you came in today, you, you got a worship folder. Part of it's detachable. If you just pray with me to receive Christ, would you see the little white zone here? If you would just say, check the box that says, I pray to receive Christ. I have a gift I want to give you. It's just a packet of some cool stuff, some DVDs, because I prayed with you so quickly. You say, Mark, I'm not sure what happened to me. I want you to know. And so some great stuff, some DVDs and some information material about what to do next and what a relationship with Christ is like. It's my gift. It won't cost you anything. If you uh, prayed to receive Christ, take that card that you put your name and address on. You can drop it in the offering plates or offering bags. You can drop it in the boxes by the back doors or boxes at the bottom of the staircase. And, and I'll mail this to you this week. It won't cost you anything. I'm ADHD. I'm a poster child for it. I can't stand to wait. So if you're anything like me and you don't like to wait, you don't have to. I'm going to point right through those middle doors, right behind those doors. There's two zones called New Spring Store and Guest Services. If you'd like to take this with you today, if you ask Christ to come into your life, you just bring your card back and say, I prayed with Mark. I'm not telling him anything else. Just say, I prayed with Mark, and he'll give this to you, and you take it home with you today.